Welcome to Voices of Taos. My name is Laura Martin-Baseman, and I'm the producer of this new podcast from the Taos News. Every week, we will be bringing you a voice from our Taos community. This is John Miller. I'm the editor of the Taos News, and joining me today is Jeffrey Plant, our assistant editor and senior reporter. Hey, John. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Good, good. Good. So... For this week's episode, we really wanted to do a kind of companion podcast, if you will, for our end-of-year edition, which comes out next week. And uh, longtime readers know that we do this every year where we do a look back at the sort of top stories from the year, uh, kind of the pivotal moments as we see it um, throughout the year in Taos. Um, So we have kind of a list of stories that uh, Jeffrey and I are going to talk about. And one of the first ones that we wanted to discuss was uh, the stray animal issue. This obviously impacted a lot of people in Taos. Um, It's pretty difficult to even just drive down the road in Taos and not encounter a stray dog or cat. So what really worsened this issue was when we saw the relationship breakdown between Stray Hearts Animal Shelter and the town of Taos and Taos County, uh, which typically contract with the shelter to provide stray animal services. Their officers pick up animals off the street and they deliver them to the shelter. That isn't going on right now at all. So what we have seen is the stray animal population really explode. Yeah, that, uh, that drew a lot of people to town council meetings at the time. A lot of folks were very upset about allegations regarding the executive director, Liam Hughes, who has since resigned. And uh, the town council, the Taos Town Council was rather astonished to hear that, and I don't remember the number right now, but it was a significant amount of money, $20,000, I seem to recall, uh, that had been allocated to... Stray Hearts had not, in fact, been used for the purpose it was uh, awarded to them for. And the town has essentially acknowledged that there's no way they can get that money back. Um, so because of those those uh, misspent funds and uh, allegations regarding the executive director at the time, they did. They cut their funding, too. And so I think it's fair to say Stray Hearts lost the backbone of its, of its funding and— I had lunch with Liam Hughes at that time, uh, the former executive director, and he did make a fair point about the condition of the facility uh, that Stray Hearts has been housed in for so many years. It's it run down. It needs, it needs to be replaced, essentially. I think there's nobody that would disagree with that. Uh, but things are still at a standstill with funding, and uh, until... Stray Hearts gets a new board or the town and county and Stray Hearts come to some sort of some sort of agreement, um, there's nowhere to take stray animals. That's right. And um, we have a couple, um, well, I guess first we should mention that this is an issue that affects both of our Pueblos as well, Taos Pueblo and Picuris Pueblo. Um, there was a, a tragedy in January 2020. Um, Kay Torres, a, a teacher at a day school out at the Pueblo, was actually killed by a pack of stray dogs. Um, and that was something I talked about with Holly Summerberries, who's a tribal member. She was one of our unsung heroes this year. Um, and Holly's really been spearheading uh, stray animal control efforts for the Pueblo. Um, and one of their strategies was to partner with outside organizations. Um, the county and the town, I think the, the solution has been to look internally. But the Pueblo partnered with 
a couple different organizations, including a nonprofit called Helping Pause Across Borders, um, which works uh, both in the state and outside the state to uh, fund free spay and neuter clinics, um, and also to provide education, which seems to be really the crux of this issue. Uh, just too many people in Taos County, you know, don't seem to understand the, the consequences of allowing their animals to breed freely. There's one bright spot. Uh, we know that in March, uh, Stray Hearts Animal Shelter is going to be running a uh, stray animal spay and neuter clinic. They're trying to do about 200 animals. It's all free, open to the public. That's March 22nd and 24th at Taos High School in the gym. Yeah, and that was just one of the one of the confluences of the town and the county and and other organizations, private or nonprofits. There was a, a number of property swaps this year uh, between the town and the county. One of which was significant, I think, because it it heralds the opening, delayed as it is, of a new publicly funded detox center, and that facility, previously owned by the town of Taos was shut down eight years, I believe. It's going on nine uh, at this point, but the county does have the funding for it. And uh, as soon as they overcome some, well, it's federal funding, there's some hiccups at the moment, there will be another 20 to 30 bed facility in the Taos area. And uh, that's in addition to a private substance use disorder treatment facility that opened up uh, on Paseo del Pueblo Sur this year that's almost at capacity. It's been open six months, and it's almost at capacity. So I think that, that sort of tells you what the need is for those sorts of services here. I was going to mention these other property swaps real quick. Um, the county did hand over Philemon Sanchez Park to the town, so the town is going to fix up that park, which is in pretty rough shape. Uh, they're going to dump Boku bucks into that. And at the same time, they're giving Fred Baca Parks uh, basketball courts a little facelift. Um, they're really focusing on their facilities, and, and that's something that they, the town did say they wanted to do this year. It's been a bit of a rough go with new fees uh, and facilities uh, regulations, but uh, they, they, the town has promised to sort of spruce things up. Absolutely, and just... Going back to the the detox issue, I know it's a that's a subject that you and I both covered as reporters, um, and like you say, it's been eight years since we've had a detox center, and and really for people who don't know, that's that's really the first step. Most experts agree in the process of actually getting clean from drugs or alcohol, and the idea ideally is that the detox then works in tandem with a residential treatment center like the one that we see being established at the Days Inn. So I remember covering that for years as a reporter. Um, the detox center hasn't opened yet. There's still some hurdles to clear. But um, we know that Lawrence Medina and Steve Fullendorf at uh, Rio Grande ATP are very dedicated to making that happen. And um, that, as you say, there's a, a great need for that, a big recovery community in Taos as for well. For sure, yep. So this spring, we also had a very high water year. Uh, we saw the Rio Grande really roaring. I know it you know, got up into the 5,000 CFS range. CFS is cubic feet per second, a uh, measure of the volume of water that's moving down a river at a given time. And I know, Jeff, you can talk more about this, of how dangerous even usually what are considered 
sort of beginner courses for rafting on the Rio, Rio Grande become when snowmelt happened so rapidly? Uh, do you want to talk about that? It really did happen quickly. There was a delayed uh, spring runoff. Uh, you know, the snow melts up in the Sangre de Cristos and up into Colorado and runs down tributaries and into the Rio Grande. Uh, it was a bit delayed this year because we had colder temperatures and quite a bit of late precipitation, a lot of snow uh, in the later part of the season, in the winter season. And when the snows did start to melt, it happened r- rather quickly and uh, was in May that the river peaked at over 5,000 cubic feet per second. And just for some context, and that's at the Embudo gauge, so kind of above where the race course is, I think, is, is, where, is where that would be. At any rate, uh, so for comparison, uh, just a month earlier, uh, the, the cubic feet per second, the flows of the Rio Grande were about 1,500. Uh, and then this past November, for nearly the entire month, uh, about 300 cubic feet per second. So when the river swelled like that, uh, it got very, very high, very fast, and quite dangerous. There was a lot of injuries. Uh, there was a lot of panic at times because people got washed downstream uh, unexpectedly. And as you said, John, there was there were several people who actually lost their lives, um, which does happen almost on an annual basis. But it was uh, quite stunning to get call after call or hear over the over the uh, the scanner, the police scanner, that there was another fatality down uh, on the river. And I'll also say that that melt kept Asikias very busy in the spring. Uh, there was there was no shortage of water to divert, ditches to clean beforehand. People were really scrambling for a bit there because the 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 ditches you had to put the water somewhere, and the Rio Pueblo, the Rio Fernando, they were they were really at pretty much flood stage. They were really high. It was it was great for agriculture, uh, but you had to be careful on the river this year. And as you say, those were stories that at least I think at least in one case we heard through the police scanner. And like a lot of old school newsrooms, we've had a police scanner running in our newsroom twenty four seven. Doesn't ever turn off. Um, outside my office. And um, it was also a way that we got a tip of another big story from the year, um, the Red River shooting at the 41st annual Red River Memorial Day motorcycle rally. Uh, Jeff, I know you caught that one while you were at home, right? That's right. It was Memorial Day weekend, of course, and I was working on another story uh, at my residence, at my home office, I like to call it. And I got an alert uh, that the scanner app I have uh, showed more than 60 people in Taos listening to the scanner. Every time that happens, I, I listen to see if there's anything going on. In this case, there was definitely something going on. And I think we're going to take a break. Maybe we can pick this up on the other side. We'll be back to Voices of Taos after a brief message from our sponsor. Hi, this is Mattress Mary from Taos Lifestyle. Happy holidays. In addition to having the largest selection of furnishings and mattresses in northern New Mexico, we're also your new gift-giving headquarters with an incredible greeting card selection, custom holiday gift baskets, and so much more. Wishing you all a beautiful holiday season. Taos Lifestyle. Let it move you. (laughs) 
we're back. This is Voices of Taos. This is uh, John Miller, editor with the Taos News, with Jeffrey Plant, our assistant editor. Uh, we're talking about some of the big stories from 2023, and uh, where we left off was talking about the biker club shootings that happened in Red River on Memorial Day, uh, a story that Jeff picked up while he was at home listening to his, uh, his scanner app on his smartphone. Yeah, and it became clear very quickly that something uh, big and also violent had happened and was still happening in Red River. Uh, I know I called you right away, John, and uh, one of us got in touch with our staff photographer at the time, Nathan Burton, and you headed up to Red River. Well, Nathan Burton headed to Holy Cross Medical Center where reports were there was a large contingent of bikers, uh, specifically outlaw motorcycle gang members, headed to the hospital where several of their uh, comrades had had been or were being admitted. They were on their way at the time in ambulances from Red River. Uh, I know when Nathan got to the hospital, there were Taos police, I believe it was, and maybe some other, maybe some other law enforcement agencies were... In the, in the process of establishing a perimeter around the hospital with assault weapons, and thankfully, no horde of bikers did show up at the, at the medical center, but I know, I know you, saw, you, saw some, you saw some chaos on your way up to Red River and in Red River, right? As I was driving up there, I remember talking to you on the phone and, and what you were hearing on the scanner and what I heard when I turned my app on was that there might be rolling shootouts happening. Um, but, you know, our job is to get to these crime scenes as soon as possible, kind of no matter what, um, professional hazard. <laughs> and so heading up there, I remember seeing ambulances coming down, going in the southbound lane um, past Arroyo Hondo uh, with uh, Taos County Sheriff's Office escorts. Yep. So under these sorts of circumstances, um, a small newsroom like ours, it's these become all hands on deck situations. Uh, this, of course, was a weekend, mm -hmm. but we really dropped everything we were doing to get the most up-to-date inform information out to the public that we could. Um, it's one of the most important things we do is during public safety events, really try to clear up the confusion. And there was tons of confusion, of confusion. about this event. Mm -hmm. um, reports of other shootings happening around the county that turned out to be completely false. Um, but... Jeff kind of, in this circumstance, handled sort of the, the newsroom HQ out of his, as he said, his home office mm -hmm. uh, while uh, Nathan and I were out doing kind of the boots on the ground reporting. Yeah, and then a couple of days later, I think it was just a couple of days, the mayor of Red River, Linda Calhoun, held a, a community meeting in, there in Red River. About 200 people showed up, uh, and she had sort of... I think it's fair to say mishandled the the public relations aspect of this event. Um, there was a lot of confusion between the sheriff's office, the mayor, the Red River Town Marshal. There there was a lack of communication, which under Sheriff uh, Taos County Under Sheriff Jerry Hogriff acknowledged at this public meeting, where there was also shouting between uh, the Red River Marshal's office and Hogriff. Uh, there was a lot of accusations being thrown around. It, it was clear that there was no plan in place for an event like this. And consequently, uh, as many as 
20,000, 25,000 uh, motorcyclists left Red River all at once. And if they didn't get out all at once, they were essentially locked down in this town. Uh, and people were angry in Red River at this public meeting. They were very angry. There were tears. They were shouting. And I must say, at that point, I think the, the mayor of Red River actually did step up and start to not start, but, you know, said the right thing. This won't happen again, she said. And whether that sort of ameliorated everybody's anger, I, I can't say for sure. Uh, people were telling stories of bullet-riddled walls and uh, just chaos when this happened. Um, and we should, we should also remind our listeners that, that three, three people did die uh, as a result of this shooting, and several more were injured. Um, uh, there were... I, think, I believe it was all three were, were New Mexico residents who who were killed. Yeah. Yeah. This is a shootout between the uh, Banditos Biker Club and the Water Dogs. Um, and it was you know, kind of a moment that you know, some people were really shocked by. But if you were to talk to law enforcement, it wasn't exactly a surprise. This was something that um, they had feared for a long time, uh, these biker rallies, as many people as they attract that are genuinely just trying to have a good time. Lots of veterans, um, lots of people just who enjoy riding. Um, these rallies also draw these uh, gang elements. Um, the banditos in particular are on the FBI's um, watch list for uh, most notorious biker gangs along with the Hells Angels. Um, and as you said, Jeff, there were, there were thousands that came to town. We don't have you know, even 100 officers at the Taos County Sheriff's Office. So it was uh, a tragedy and also at the same time fortunate that it wasn't worse than it was. Uh, the shooting took place right in downtown Red River. Yeah. Um, and uh, really uh, may have changed that event forever based on what the mayor sent, but I guess we'll have to see what happens next year. We'll see what happens next year. So on a lighter note, uh, we had an animal visitor to New Mexico this year. That uh, There was an adult bull moose that was spotted in the northern part of Taos County, actually last October 2022, and it was spotted around Costilla, and then it, there were sightings in Cuesta and Taos Pueblo, and eventually wandered down to Santa Fe. And uh, this adult moose has been uh, dubbed Marty Moose. He has spawned... Uh, theme song on YouTube, and um, it's kind of become sort of the unlikely mascot for a state that has very few moose. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the only thing he spawned, because there are no mates for Marty <laughs> the bull moose down here in New Mexico. Uh, not that this moose seemed to care. It's very <laughs> dedicated to New Mexico lifestyle uh, until Game of Fish decided it was time to remove it back to Colorado. That's right. Um and then it, it wandered back down into New Mexico, as I understand it. I think it was seen near uh, uh, Abiquiu area. Uh, so for whatever reason, it's not interested in, in a mate. It just seems to like New Mexico. Yeah, we have, a, we have moose now. Uh, another animal story I know Jeff has been following, even in recent weeks, is the Mexican gray wolf uh, named Asha uh, that's being tracked by officials. Uh, do you want to talk about the la latest movements of, of Asha? Yeah, so this Mexican gray wolf or Mexican wolf was actually in a pack in Arizona. Uh, I'm trying to remember when she was originally released into the wild as part of the reintroduction program down there the northern boundary of which is I-40. Uh, however, wolves migrate, and uh, 
they don't they don't know that there's a uh, a line on the map or even that there's a map of course so asha who was uh, dubbed asha by school children in a contest uh, a year or two ago uh did migrate north and ended up very close to taos uh over just south of angel fire and was eventually captured by new mexico game and fish department again and removed down to the Sevilleta Wildlife Refuge where uh, Mexican gray wolves are, are bred and uh, housed. And then was re-released into the wild almost immediately, started heading for northern New Mexico again, and was just recently captured again and will be brought back to the Sevilleta Wildlife Refuge and presumably released again, uh, perhaps with pups this time, uh, according to Game and Fish. And the reason this is significant to folks in Taos, I, I want to say, is uh, this, this part of the north-central New Mexico uh, represents what scientists, uh, what studies have showed, is ideal wolf habitat, gray wolf habitat, Mexican gray wolf habitat. And uh, simultaneously up in Colorado, there's a gray wolf reintroduction program getting underway as we speak. Uh, the expectation is that not only will wolves continue to migrate from southern New Mexico into northern New Mexico, but uh, gray wolves eventually may migrate down from Colorado into northern New Mexico. So um, as far-fetched as it once seemed, uh, wolves having been nearly extirpated from the landscape uh, not that long ago, uh, there could someday be wolves back here again. And this isn't something that everybody's happy about, right? We have uh not insignificant ranching community, both here and in New Mexico, where these reintroduction efforts are taking place. And there's a lot of conflict between these two groups, yes? Certainly, yes. And and I think uh, probably the most significant thing I, I, I heard from an interview I did recently with Tom Patterson, uh, who chairs the County Livestock Loss Authority in southern New Mexico, was uh, his concern that maybe ranchers up here aren't really aware of the consequences that could result if wolves are allowed to migrate down to north-central New Mexico. Um, on the other hand, uh, northern New Mexico isn't southern New Mexico. Could be a little bit of a different culture here uh, as far as the ranching community. But uh, until, until there are wolves actually, you know, in, 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 our, in our county, in this part of the state, I, I think it's hard to say how folks will react. But... Um, We'll, we'll see. This is something we'll be following the next year or two. Another big story of the year was home rule in the town of Taos, uh, which failed to materialize after the Home Rule Charter Commission failed to actually deliver a charter. This is one of the major campaign initiatives by town of Taos Mayor Pascual Maestas. Uh, home rule allows municipalities to create their own laws so long as they don't conflict with state existing state or federal law. Um, I know you covered this one as well, Jeff. Yeah, well done. I think that uh, it, when this commission was was uh, being floated by the by the mayor primarily, as you said, there was just a major non-understanding of what home rule meant, and the public really felt that that officials who were promoting this home rule initiative weren't adequately explaining why they wanted this to happen. And that miscommunication, I think, not to express my own opinion, but I think most people would agree that uh, that miscommunication led to sort of a antagonistic uh, kind of uh, environment that this commission existed in. The business community got up in arms about it because there was a very, very preliminary draft charter that 
that suggested raising the minimum wage significantly. And uh, that that just got that lit a fire under people uh, in the business community who came out in in numbers and really uh, organized against home rule. And I think we'll see where this goes in the in the in the coming, well, the rest of the Maestas administration anyway. I think there's also a significant number of people in Taos that uh, would like to experiment with home rule. You know, it's it's a way for the town to sort of explore its own its own devices, its own motivations, what it wants. It could change its form of government. It could raise its minimum wage. Uh, it could impose a tax on high-value property transfers, which is something that Santa Fe just did. Uh, Santa Fe being a home rule municipality. And we'll see if this ever gets off the ground again. Uh, but the story's not over quite yet, although it's going out with a bit of a whimper. Uh, home rule commissioner Stevens Hall has been taking the town to task uh, during public comment uh, since the commission disbanded uh, earlier this year. And he is wanting it to reconvene. He says it never did what it was tasked to do and that there's nothing in state statute or the constitution, the state constitution, that says that this commission doesn't exist any longer. So he would really like it to reconvene. Uh, the town doesn't seem fond of that idea, but uh, I guess we'll see where that goes. And one of the last stories we wanted to talk about um, was the Starbucks fires. Um, this was one of the stories, not the only one, that reached national news this year. We have a Starbucks on Paseo del Pueblo store that was under construction. It'd be the first brick and mortar uh, establishment here in Taos. And there were two highly suspicious fires, the first one in late August and the second one in October. Uh, the first one, uh, there was some graffiti found on the window that seemed to suggest strongly that it could be arson. We want to be careful about how we talk about that because it's still under investigation. Mm -hmm. But to date, uh, we have not heard of any suspects from police or the ATF, which also became involved in the investigation. But this was a big one for Taos because Taos has long had a um, significant pushback against cor big corporate presence in, in the town. Um, every time there's a new dollar store proposed, there's always a lot of people showing up for those town of Taos meetings. Um, and development in general is just a tough thing in a community that really values preserving uh, the essence of what Taos is culturally. And Yeah, I think uh, town manager Andrew Gonzalez told me that, it, it, one, it was important for Starbucks, this franchise specifically, to rebuild because it sends a, a, a bad message to other business that might come to Taos. And that debate you're talking about in the community is is definitely happening right now in terms of tourism not just not just corporate stores like Starbucks uh, there's a big O tire store moving to Taos or reopening in Taos I suppose you could say and I think the the mixed emotions this community has about development and where its economic development is focused is going to be tricky going into the future I think uh, a lot of folks here somewhat, somewhat resent being a tourist town, but many would acknowledge that Taos is indeed a tourist town. The ski industry, uh, the cultural, the arts, the scenery, it's just, it's a destination. But uh, the study the town has undertaken right now uh, to try and sort of revisit, as they say, their tourism strategies did determine that that 
wealth that's that's derived from the tourism industry is is unequally distributed through different demographies and you can probably guess that uh, the Hispanic population it's this study reports benefits far less from tourism than do Anglo populations in Taos and Taos County and as to how that can be remedied or addressed I guess we'll see uh, that's something we'll be following in the next year for sure Something else set to happen uh, with the Starbucks story is we know that there's a plan to rebuild uh, that's set to happen in the new year. So we hope you all enjoyed this uh, sampler of what you'll find in next week's edition that comes out on December 28th, our end of year edition. We'll look back at major stories from the year. Um, And thank you all for reading the Taos News. Uh, Part of the reason why it's so enjoyable to be a journalist here is because our community is so engaged. So we really appreciate that. And uh, thank you to Jeffrey Plant for joining us for today's episode. Yeah. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us for Voices of Taos, a podcast by the Taos News, produced by Laura Martin Baseman. Our music was produced and arranged by Miles Bonney, featuring musicians Francisco Velarde, Ruben Hernandez, and... Margot Macias. Please join us next week for another episode of Voices of Taos.